one of those days. It is a Monday working from home. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You're back. We're so happy to have you. Today's episode is one that is scary to have because it's going to rustle some feathers, but one I've been dying to have because it needs to be talked about in today's world. Today, I have Rosie from Behaviorify here today with me to talk about things that are unpopular. You may know her from her amazing Instagram, but she is so much more. She's an ethical and compassionate driven BCBA calling out all the bullshit in the field. She is here with me today, and I'm so happy to have her. Hi. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Me too. Tell everybody like about you introduce yourself I kind of did a little brief introduction but I think you do better when you do it yourself yeah um so like you said I'm Rosie um I'm you know I guess like the I like to call myself I don't like the words like CEO or anything like that (laughs) but I do call myself like the creative mind behind behavior five nice and um yeah like you said I do I don't know why I like to like call out just the things that aren't right that just don't don't feel right to me Mm -hmm. um, in the field and you know other people have similar ideas so sometimes when I've posted things that I think oh this is an unpopular opinion people are like this is not unpopular like we are all kind of thinking it yeah Um, so yeah that's kind of where my Instagram has taken off I do post some like informational stuff but I think people really enjoy like that very raw aspect sure of, you know, trying to be honest and respectful because, you know, I don't like to like bash anyone or like trash talk people, but it's more so like just bringing awareness to like issues that we do have as a field. I think that that's awesome too, like doing it in a way that's like exactly how you're doing it. But I think it's interesting that you say that when you post unpopular opinions, they're becoming more the popular opinion, I guess. Right. So sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this. So it, maybe they don't really feel this way. But then, you know, when I do post those things, people are like, no, like I've been thinking of this. Like I feel seen. Like, oh my God, yeah. like I feel validated or um, just things that I do feel that a lot of us might have at some point thought about, but we just don't like articulate it or like kind of like just push it back. Like, oh, whatever. It's not a big deal. I might be the only one feeling this way. Yeah. Um, but in reality, I think like a lot of us have similar thoughts. You know, we also have a lot of differences, which is okay. But there are certain things where we can agree a lot. But you would think some stuff is unpopular and it's really what's the most popular on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Do you think that some of that unpopular opinion like culture is really that people might have the same thoughts that you're posting, but they're scared to do so? Yeah, I think, you know, our field is pretty young compared to like other fields. And I think we've gone through like a lot of different like growth paths and patterns and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I think for a long time, you know, we were all like, okay, well, this is ABA. This is what we do, I guess. But then as you do it for longer, you're like, wait a minute, like maybe maybe this isn't the best approach or like, Hey, you know what? I think I didn't have the greatest supervisor or like Mm -hmm. things like that. You start to kind of piece it together. Um, and sometimes maybe some people are in the process of piecing it together, but then when they read, like someone kind of like already pieced it together, you're like, yes, that's exactly what my thoughts are leading to. Yeah. I I think that's more what it is. It's more that too, I think. And also just knowing like learning new things, right? So like being okay with growing into different 
ways of doing things and admitting like, okay, this is, it's like a growth mindset. Cool. Right. So, so talking about unpopular opinions, I have so many notes here to talk to you about. So you made a post on Instagram. <laughs> we'll go back to your Instagram. Okay. <laughs> um, you asked a question about how people felt about using the words like problem behavior, maladaptive, undesired, right. interfering problem behaviors. Um, I wanted to talk more about this concept because this could be something that is something that people would consider unpopular Mm -hmm. in air quotes. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk more about what you were thinking when you kind of brought up that topic. Yeah. So I know what pose you're talking about. So the pose itself, I was kind of trying to take the words that we use Mm -hmm. to refer to our personalities in the field. Cause me personally, I have worked in places where I've been called like, I don't know, you combative or like, um, kind of like in a way of saying like, you have too many opinions or like you have too many thoughts and that's kind of like a problem behavior in the workplace. So I kind of wanted to take those words that we use in reference to like how we develop our personalities in the workplace or even outside of the workplace. But um, I honestly, I am trying to figure that out for myself. I really wanted to know what other people were thinking because I know for, you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of conversations going on about certain words that we use Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, So I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to make up my mind on how I myself feel about those words, like maladaptive problem, whatever. I don't have a set. uh, I think I don't have a set belief yet. Right. But I really just wanted to know what people thought. And I thought it was interesting because like some people in the comments were having conversations like some people use certain words, other other people don't. Um, to me personally, I really don't know yet. I feel like it's one of <laughs> that's my, fair. that's one of my, I guess, like, um, characteristics as a behavior analyst that I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, does it sound okay to me? And if it doesn't sound okay to other people, I'm trying to understand why, mm-hmm. like, do I agree with that? Um, which is something that I'm, I'm really working on just like being able to listen to more than one voice and more than one aspect, sure. uh, and so I can't answer that question right now. No, on and my that's, own. I think that that's the perfect answer. Um, and that's, that's okay. Because I, I just had a conversation about how I think what makes us better analysts or even just better people is being able, able to say like, I don't know. I don't know what I feel. I'm figuring it out. Because I think a lot of times, and we can use this as an example, like using correct, and that's in quotes for sure, terminology, um, is tricky, right? So if some people are not comfortable with maladaptive or problem behavior, but some people are, it's even that debate of like autism, autistic person versus, you know, all of those different things. It's, it's up in the air and everyone's going to have different values. So I think saying mm-hmm. like, I don't really know what I'm comfortable with and being confident enough to say that I think is a good start, right? I, I mean, I get worried sometimes that I'm going to offend people too much. That's like my toxic trait is I don't want to be on the wrong side but then as I've gotten older too it's like maybe I just have to be comfortable with what I'm comfortable with and if it offends someone be okay with saying like okay let me hear your side and I can adjust to your need but I don't know do you find that you what do you yeah tell me more about what you're thinking on that 
Yeah, I mean, specifically with this, like, I feel like I have some opinions that are pretty set and I have, you know, I feel strongly about certain things, but there are other things. I mean, and there's a lot of things. So there are some things like this one specifically that I'm kind of like still like, I don't know, you know, like yeah. I said, like I'm still trying to decide and it is up in the air. Um, whereas other things I'm a little bit more confident, like, hey, look, I don't feel comfortable with this. Like, for example, eye contact. I really mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable with that because, you know, I don't want to be potentially causing physical pain to someone. Sure. So for me, it's very much like, okay, well, eye contact is a thing. And for some people, it comes easily. For others, it doesn't. And I feel like if I'm working with someone who's clearly avoiding it, I'm like, you know what? There might be something more physiological going on right. that I really don't want to mess with. But then when it comes to just language, like it's tricky because mm -hmm. words could have an impact, but it's like, to what extent are we going to allow every single word to have such a huge impact? Yeah. I think, I think we're all kind of trying to figure it out. Like, Hey, you know, like we want to be respectful and we want to try to use all the right words, but sometimes it's like, what is the right word? Because they're always we, changing. Everything is changing. Yeah. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah. I agree with you. I respect that you say like your opinions are that to go back to the one you just talked about too. The eye contact example, I'm on your side of the opinion where it's not something as a clinician that I think is, I don't want to say important, but I'm just not, it's not on my top priority list. Um, I'd rather teach like joint attention. I can do a lot of things without looking at people. I awkwardly don't look at people when I talk. Um, so I, I, I totally feel you on that one. Other people might not agree with that. Um, but I'm, I, I think that that was a good one to strike in my head. Like that makes me realize like, yeah, there are things where like, I'm going to say like, I'm sorry, right. that's what I'm going to do. That's what I feel is, is best. And if that doesn't work for you, then you're going to do something else. Um, right. do you find that there are things, for example, the eye contact that you may have? So when, when did you, when, I guess I should go back to when did you start practicing in the field? I started in the field in 2016. Okay, so when you first started, I'm probably way older than you, and <laughs> um, but I felt like there were things that I was just like taught to do. So like that was yeah. high on that priority list. So I don't want to use the excuse of like I didn't know any better, but I didn't. I there are things that I've talked about before too. Like I did them in like straight hours of extinction, right? All these things were like now I'm like ugh, like. Right. That wasn't it, but it wasn't because I was some big, bad, horrible analyst. It was because that was what I was right. taught to do. Do you feel like that's kind of things you've learned? Yeah, 100%. So even though, I mean, it was six years ago and it, it doesn't feel like it's a long time, but I feel like for the field, it, sure. it is a long time. Like six years ago, I feel like a lot of people were not having the conversations that we're having right now, No, which I think is a great sign that, you know, we're headed towards a place of like a lot of people wanting to do better right um but yeah definitely when I started working I would you know I was uh I wasn't an RBT yet I became an RBT like a couple months after and you know I was kind of just like doing what I was told to do and a lot of it was like eye contact and a lot of things that I look back and I'm like but why did we do all that for <laughs> yeah. what did this do um, yeah eye contact was a big one um you know like uh uh, the stims, re mm -hmm. reduction of stims was a big one as well. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, absolutely. There were a lot of things where I look back and I'm like, I would not do it again. I didn't know any better. And, you know, I, I do talk about this sometimes on my Instagram as well, like kind of giving yourself grace for not knowing any better. You cannot do better if you don't know better. And I think that's true for anything in life. Um, I think you make better decisions the more you learn, mm -hmm. which is why learning is important. But if you didn't know any better at the time, hey, what are you going to do? Like right. the only thing you can do is want to do better and, right. and, and take the steps to become a better professional. Yeah. But learning from the past rather than dwelling on it because you can't change it. So <laughs> that speaks to my anxious heart because I like eat, like I'm like, oh, gosh, I should have known better. I should have stuck like, even now, like. You know, you have a conversation with someone and you're like, shit, I should have said that, right? <laughs> I should have stuck up for this or I should have said something different. But yeah, you're totally right. I mean, I think that just being able to say like, I'm sorry that, you know, this is something that I did and I didn't know. But now I see like the world of, you know, compassion right. and care and all these things. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, another post you made that was one that I really, really liked was something you titled ABA things that don't make sense. So I want to mm -hmm. dive into some of those and get your opinion on some of those. So the first one you wrote was too many ABA agencies operate based on fear and negative contingencies. Too mm -hmm. often motivation is not considered. Neither is response effort. Don't be surprised when you encounter ratio strain. Tell me what you were like. Tell me about that one. Yeah. Um, so I guess a little bit about myself. Um I, I recently uh, left my full-time job a couple of months ago and it's, and you know, that, that place was actually a pretty good place. I just, you know, it was just too much for me. Like, and I live in New York, so the commute was insane. Mm -hmm. um, but ever since, you know, I've been exploring options. So I've seen a lot of things where I'm like, you know, it is just like so fear-based. It's like, for example, the therapist not even allowed to like input their schedule in a system. Like they have to go through all these hoops just to get their session schedule. And it's yeah. like, come on, like that's a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. And then you complain when they don't do it right. Or like you complain if they sent you an email and, and you didn't see it on time. So now it creates a whole lot of other issues that come from them just not being able to input their own like little session. And it, it, it's kind of like, I feel like as a therapist, I would feel like, wow, you don't even trust me to input sure. my session on a system. Like it's little things like that. And also just not treating your staff with with like the same respect, like maybe even like di at different levels. Like I feel like some companies treat the BCBAs much, much better than they treat the therapist. Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of like, you know, I feel like, sure, you know, you have a master's degree, whatever, that's great. But at the end of the day, like, we're all here working and we're supposed to be working together. Like, I, I was a therapist and I wouldn't have wanted to feel like, wow, like, I'm so much less valued than my supervisor. Well, like, I understand sessions, my supervisor. The sessions aren't, aren't going to run without the, exactly. Like, we need, yeah, I, yeah, I agree yeah. with you 100%. And I've been a victim of that, too, in, in both settings, seeing how I'm, appreciated more as someone who bills at a higher rate right versus mm -hmm. someone who yeah I I I don't necessarily know if it is something that is like across the board in terms of like companies that start and don't have that trust but I think it's weird because like you're saying you can't you can't trust someone to input their schedule but you're trusting them to implement all these behavior protocols to change behavior right. that's wild 
I, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So the next one you wrote was your four or five, six, seven year old client should not be assessed using the frigging VB map. I want to hear your thoughts on the VB map. Okay. Um, okay. So first off, this is not to offend anyone who does use the VB map. Sure. And I know a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying by any means, get rid of it. I personally don't like it. But that's my, you know, that's, I guess, like my clinical decision to like, hey, I don't like this protocol. Yeah. But that's not to say it, it's completely trash. However, what I do think and, and it is a very I think obvious thing that is done is like, you know, analysts will use the baby map for like much older clients. And it's like, like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we having, I don't know, seven, eight year olds like playing with like cars and saying broom? Like, come on, like yeah. we should be doing other things with this client. And the reason why I personally don't like the baby map a lot is because I think it goes up to like 48 months and like, that's not very old. So yeah. I feel like it just kind of feels like a waste of time because it's like you're going to you should be fading out of it. So why don't just start with the protocol that you can use for like skills for older clients? Like you're not going to have to switch. It's not going to be such a rough switch. Um, and another thing is, that, you know, I am a big believer that like these protocols are supposed to just be a guide for us. And like And when I was training and, you know, I was getting my experience, I used to think, okay, like we have to get all the little grits. They need to be colored because that's the only way to show progress. (laughs) Now I know that's not necessarily true, but specifically for the baby map, that's, that's what I see a lot. It's just like overused. I think that's why I don't like it mostly, not necessarily against the baby map. It's just like the overuse of it is where I'm like, guys, come on. There are other tools that you can use. I think you're, I think it might be that exactly because coming from my background when I first started it was like what the center I worked in used primarily um so it was what I was most comfortable using um when I first started and it was kind of like like that's what you did right and so then moving into other like growing as an analyst going to different companies getting older kids that I had never worked with before I was like well I I guess I see this but this doesn't really play out but I think it was lack of knowledge right I didn't know at that point the ables, or I didn't know, you know, essentials for learning. I didn't know these things, so I didn't know to use them. But I also want to touch on the point that you said, not only the BB map, but assessments are a guide, right? So we had a client, and I, I really hope you haven't seen this happen, but you probably have, where they were doing like targets from the BB map, and it was the uh, interverbal fill in of like you live with. And mm-hmm. the Excel spreadsheet that was made to like guide these questions said mom, dad, sibling. That was like the stock answer that was written in there to like mm-hmm. just be in there, like a, a placeholder, right? Right. You would you would obviously go and change that to be whatever was was applicable. And we had a kid and a and a client or an analyst or I don't know whoever didn't know to do that. And they were the kid was answer, answering mom, dad, sibling. They were an only child. Like, they didn't have oh, a sibling. Oh, yeah. And I was like, mm. or the other same kid, lots of allergies, allergic to everything, poor guy. And he was the answer or the question, which this is stupid too, was like, you spill. And like, the stock answer was coffee. When the hell is this kid ever going to drink coffee at five or spill coffee? Like, why aren't we teaching things that are more, you know, but you're going off of this list, this running list. So. I, that's yeah. where you get that whole like ABA creates robots thing, right? It's like uh, 
yeah yeah i think that's when i talk to parents uh, and, and a lot of parents you know they they do have this like view of aba is very robotic and it's all about repetition and whatever um and i've had a few conversations with parents where like their biggest concern is like hey you know my child had aba for a couple years and sure they're able to talk but none of the things they say mean anything it's more so just like memorized responses and i think that's uh that's partly because of that like we not we and i don't want to generalize i'm sure a lot of people don't but it, it's been a thing where like, mm-hmm. you know, kids have been taught to like, oh, what do you live with? Yeah, mom, dad, sibling, and I don't even have a sibling. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's, but I, I also think that comes down to a couple things. I mean, a lot of things and not everyone's doing this, but lack right. of, lack of training, lack of knowledge, <laughs> lack of all those things. So again, doing better. But I, I agree, and I think that's all of them. I Going back to, like, even – because my master's was in special education, and I had a really great professor, and she said, like, one day um, to us, like, okay, you're going to write up – of course, it was a little different because it was education, but it was like, you're going to write this plan for this kid who he has cerebral palsy, he's in a wheelchair, he has blah, 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 like all these different medical things, and, and he wants to play soccer. Go. And, like, so many people – and this was back when I was in my master's – many years ago many many years ago but everyone was like I don't know like how do you how would you do that like he can't do this and, and she was so great and she was like figure it out like he can do that and so I think my mindset always since then was I don't care if a kid's 12 I'm not concerned at the fact that they can do these like VB map low level skills like they need to be able to like sign their name on a piece of paper or they need to be able to like you know shower I mean I know we're not like with, with insurance and all that, but I think you're on the same page as me where we're like, think about what's going to be more appropriate now. You don't need to say room, room while putting together a five-piece puzzle. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's where we have to. So that was on, that's been unpopular for me since a long time ago because that teacher put that in my head. But uh, yeah, I think that that's definitely something we need to think about. All right. Yeah. So the next one you wrote about was um, the lack of dedicating a whole post to the lack of communication in the field. How do we expect others to understand what we do and we don't bother explaining it? So tell me, talk to me about that one. Yeah, I think that one goes um, just out to like anything really, like talking to other professionals, talking to parents. Mm -hmm. I I think, and it's, you know, I think a lot of our issues do go back to agencies and uh, that's not to blame them entirely. I think we do have some type of personal responsibility but for example, I, I think sometimes agencies contact parents about ABA and whatever, and they don't really even bother to tell them what mm-hmm. ABA is. Like I've had parents, I had one time I had a parent, we have been doing uh, therapy for like, you know, like two months. And one day she's like talking and she's like, yeah, you know, like I'm trying to get my child to ABA therapy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, um, this is ABA therapy. She thought we were speech therapists. <laughs> You were like, we've been doing this the whole time. Yeah. Oh, and my it, goodness. I think, I think you know, I, I'm sure that's an extreme example. I'm sure that uh, I hope it's an extreme <laughs> example. Um, but sometimes I, I think we need to do a little bit better of like just explaining, especially to parents, like what, what it is that we do instead of assuming like they just know, mm-hmm. like we're behavior therapists. So they know, like, you know, they know. Sure. Um, but I think a lot of the times they don't know. and And they might also... 
not even know your style because also you know recently i have had parents like bring up concerns like hey you know like i can't like i don't feel very good like having my child at school for like the entire day and then coming home and doing more work and i'm like well you know like an aba therapy we don't have to just sit at a table right. for the other two hours we can work on their routines we can you know we can we can uh go outside we can work on feeding a lot of the clients that i do work with now have like you know very picky eaters and things like that so we can work on on those things and then the parents are always like oh right wow like I didn't know that because you know there's that misconception like ABA is on the table for two hours and you would assume like if you know that's not really true and you know that as a professional then you, you can just assume that the parents also know it so mm -hmm. it's about communicating like not just what ABA should be or or is about but more so how you as a professional are going to approach it with their child specifically right. so they don't have to like not know and kind of just wait for things to happen or not happen well also too so that they can choose if you're the right fit for their family right. um right yeah i totally agree with that when i'm sure there are people that are going to have that same experience as you mine my experience that's similar to that is i think it's regionally too so you're i, I guess where you are too where like if there's a high prevalence i just moved from boston and in that like area there was a lot of there was a lot of ABA right there was a lot of families who were getting ABA in the school whether it was good or not that's to be determined but <laughs> um but there were when I lived in, I'm from New York as well when I lived in New York upstate New York there was nothing so I was pushing you know a heavy load of trying to get people to understand what we were doing and it would be a lot of like yeah I you're like I was the ABA like nobody knew like they were calling me an ABA and I was like well I'm not, I'm a BC I know it's a lot of letters I'm a BCBA <laughs> who does ABA and it was very like it was just like so we used to get called um I need to talk to the ABA and it's like mm. yeah I've heard that before <laughs> yeah I'm gonna do that I'm gonna do that so I think maybe it's where you're where you are I don't know if it depends on helping any of that in terms of it but I think it's our responsibility to give them at least what we're doing and how we're gonna do it I, I like that as a yeah. as a solution, I love this next one that I have written down, um, and obviously it comes from you, so you'll be you'll know. But hiring someone who clearly does not see themselves in this field for the long haul, so in wondering why they leave, if you make the position like a temp position, temporarily people will occupy it. Talk to me mm -hmm. about that because I have my thoughts. Wow. on that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, I think that happens because there is such high demand in our fields. And, you know, I guess it, I could understand why, right? Like you're desperate. Sure. You're like, oh my God, like I have these clients, which like, first of all, like some agencies are just accepting clients and keeping them on a hold when they don't have the staff, but that's a whole other yeah. post. A thousand, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I could understand like you're desperate, like you need to, you know, fill the roles and whatever. So, and I, you know, if you go on Indeed, you'll see like they, the way that a lot of these like RBT and not even RBT, because a lot of the times they don't even have to be RBTs. They don't even have to care about the field. They don't even have to be in the field of education. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen people like, you know, get hired. And like, I think I, I spoke to someone and, and they worked at like UPS. I'm like, no offense to UPS. That's great for you. But then how does that translate to working with, with kids and kids that have different mm -hmm. needs? Um, 
So if you like take a look on Indeed, you'll see like so many of these job postings is, you know, like part time, no experience required. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm making what, like, oh, $20, 25 Okay, that sounds pretty, sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people kind of like say things like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to try out the job. And then they didn't like it, which is whatever, fair. But this isn't a hardware store. And I say hardware store because that was my first job ever. So that's what came to mind. <laughs> this is not a store. Like, you're directly affecting people's lives. So I feel like when when you market this job as, like, easy peasy and, like, come in and on board and, you know, this is whatever, um, then that's how people are going to treat it. They're not they're not going to treat it with like the the seriousness that that they should be treating it with because whether you you know what you know some people do maybe like they want to be a teacher or they want to be a speech therapist or whatever and i think that's okay like because you know it's similar it's related so it makes sense but people who have absolutely no interest in like even working with kids at all or like I don't even want to say kids because, yeah, you know, we don't necessarily have to work with kids. But if you have no interest in working with kids or with people that have different needs and whatnot or nothing like remotely related, it's like you're not going to care. As, like you're, It's just not in you to care. So if you hire tons of people like that, you can't be mad when they leave because mm-hmm. like they didn't care to begin with. Mm-hmm. That's not their calling. Not even close to their calling so it's like okay well they left and you kind of saw that coming from the interview yeah yeah you should have pegged that red flag from the beginning i that is one opinion you have that i could not agree more with i i started out in a position where everyone that was working there in the center i worked in was some sort of right some people did have like more of wanted to go the speech route or but but everyone had some sort of buy-in to what we were doing right so you had that importance you were you were on the train, you had input, you were thinking about that kid when you went home, you know, you wanted to see the progress. When I moved and created my own center for that company, same people, like I wanted to hire people that wanted to eat it all up, that were like in there, and that's great and wonderful. When I moved to Boston, it was that that mentality of, same thing you're saying, it's a part-time job, it's after school hours. Cool, I can do that with my kids go to bed. And it's $25 an hour. Decent. Let's do this. Like, I don't need any experience. I love this. Extra money on the side. And then it turns into a babysitting gig. Well, but so then, and then it turns back into their, they might leave because they have no buy-in. But what does that do to me as a supervisor? Because now I have to teach these people who don't give a shit about what they're doing. And I'm supposed to talk behaviorally and teach these skills to them. And then... I can't. I have a caseload of 30 kids all over the state and I'm trying to t- like how does I want then I left. Then I then I leave yeah, because yeah. I don't know how we're expecting people to yeah. do what it's it's not easy and we can say that people can think, you know, whatever they want, but it's it's not easy. Yeah, so and it just creates a whole domino effect um and, and I'm actually working on a post for this like questions to ask at an interview. You should be asking like what they're onboarding processes mm-hmm. for, for technicians and you should be asking what they're looking for in a technician because if they're going out hiring anybody that's going to yes affect the kid but it's going to affect you it's going to drive you nuts having like you said train someone who doesn't really care about what they're doing who's going to quit in a couple weeks anyway and you're going to do it again and again you have to do it again and then you have to talk to the parents mm-hmm. and you have to use the right words because you don't want to tell the parent like hey you know someone who was working with your child didn't really give a sh- well yeah. Working with kids. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this well, company sucks that you're here. Yeah, no, it's 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 a whole problem, and I get it. You can't. 
it's it's a, it's a fine line too, right? Like you are running a business, you have to keep the lights on, so you have to have the staff to get the kids. It, it, I get all of that, and I don't know how to make that better, but I don't know how we. Yeah, that's a whole different. It's a whole different thing. So I, I, I feel that one. I feel yeah. that one hardcore. Um. All right. So the next one says forty hours of therapy in a field complaining about a thirty-hour billable minimums. Tell me, I well forty hours a week for a kid. That's that's a new unpopular opinion for everyone, and I, I, I think that's kind of crazy. But yeah. I guess this is twofold. Forty hours for a kid, tough. Thirty, like the whole billable hour requirement yeah. thing. That's another one that people will have opinions on. What are your opinions? I think the the reason I wrote it like that is just to highlight like the irony, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to be forced to bill like 30 hours. Sometimes even 25 can feel like a lot because, you know, of course we have other things to do that are not billable. Yeah. So, you know, but then it's like, you know, as a whole, we're like, we don't want more than this, yeah. but it's like 40 hours for the kid. Like if you can't do it, what makes you think a child can do 40 billable hours? Like that's insane. Um, whenever I've post about this, I do get DMs and, and like I said, you know, I do try to understand other like perspectives and whatnot, but a lot of it, it is the same of like, it's kind of what the agency wants you to do. Mm -hmm. You request the hours, the kid gets approved. And then it becomes this thing of like, well, he has the hours. We have to do them. Um, And it's, uh, I've heard stories of like little three-year-olds that um, maybe they don't go to school, but even if you don't go to school, 40 hours of therapy is a lot. And also ABA is not a replacement for school and ABA is not daycare. So just because a child doesn't have any other activity going on, doesn't mean that now, okay, well, you know, ABA all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that's not probably not even needed. I mean, and I'm not one to say specifically with whether it's needed or not because I don't know these clients but it doesn't sound like it would be and a lot of times people will give me a little bit of detail you know without saying any names or anything but they'll be like oh yeah you know like he can talk he can do whatever and I'm like it's probably not needed I mean eight hours a day five days or whatever however you're breaking up 40 hours like there has to be some sort of thought process I don't care if you're the best team ever best BCBA best RBCs you're not getting 40 hours of therapy. So really you're just, you're, you're billing an insurance company for, come on. Like there's gotta be some sort of, yeah, that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. The the thought of it is exhausting to me. Like I, I can never, you know, like, and I am, I'm very much like, I think I may have ADHD, but my brain is like after two hours, three hours of doing the same thing, I'm done. So like me as a professional, if I have to be with a client for longer than three hours, they lost me. And I'm sure that I've lost them somewhere along the line. (laughs) So I, yeah. And then I also have gotten, you know, oh, but what about like very severe cases and whatnot? And I'm like, you know, I do think it may be a one-to-one basis of deciding, but Mm -hmm. again, the problem is in the overdoing of things. So sure, there might be some exceptions. Maybe you do have a client that's so severe and like the alternative to to, to these 40 hours, like for real 40 hours would be, I don't know, um, something like that center where they do the shocking. I don't know. But I think that's not the rule. I right. think that might be exceptions here and there, but it's the same thing when we're talking about the, the VB map. It's just, we work in a field where everything's individualized, yet we want to make blanket statements, yeah. you know? Like, exactly. And I think, I've been saying this a lot in, like, 
conversations with people like blanket statements are just where we get in trouble right it's like 40 hours for everyone vb map for everyone you know no you know no extinction for everyone no this for everyone like there's going to be outliers that that is the best case scenario and that opinion is not the loudest so it's not the most accepted so i i agree with you on that um all right i'm gonna skip some of these because we kind of went over them while talking about other things um Ooh, which one? So, I, I guess we'll go on this one. So it says, don't get me wrong. Some people in the field have been here for a long and are definitely worth worthy of being looked up to. But there are also people who think that their seniority really does something for them. Respectfully, no. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have, I have met both of those people. <laughs> I've met people who've been in the field for a long time and they're like really amazing. And I'm like, I can learn and I have learned so much from those people. Right. But I've also met people who've been in the field for a long time and like, they don't know much and it shows. <laughs> so, and, and I think it's true for every profession probably. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, if, okay, you can, I can be a BCBA right now and I can be in this field for the next 10 years doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. My mind doesn't change. My thoughts don't change. I don't learn anything new. I get my CEUs just to get them. I probably sit there and skip through everything. I'm not really learning anything. Right. So sure. I've been in the field for 10 years but I haven't changed at all. (laughs) I have the same perspectives and views and whatever that I did from day one to now. So I haven't changed. And I've met those people, Mm -hmm. especially when I was uh, like, you know, a couple of years ago when I was not as seasoned, I would say. Um, And now I look back and I'm like, I didn't learn crap from you. And you have been in the field for so long. And then, you know, again, I have also met people who have also been in the field, but I feel like they've done the work to yeah. continue to grow and um, also taking their job as supervisors and mentors seriously. Because um, that's the other thing, you know, maybe sometimes people do know their stuff. And that actually happened to me. I, I uh, One of my first supervisors that I had, she knew her stuff. She knew ABA. She knew what she was talking about. Uh, but she was just a terrible supervisor. <laughs> so I think that's also an aspect of it. Not everybody wants to supervise and not everybody, maybe she would do better in like a teaching position or, and that's not to say like, I really hate that saying that those who can teach or whatever, because I have so much respect for teachers. And that's not to say that that's not good. I think that's great. And if that's what you like to do, that's what you should do. But, um, or maybe do direct therapy. I don't know. Some people just, they don't do well with the, responsibility of supervising and mentoring someone else and that should be okay that should be, something that should that be okay be. yeah supervising is a big responsibility and i think not everyone wants to do it and that's also okay especially now with all the strict changes that happen a lot of people are like you know i'm not the one well and that's that's a scary okay. thing too where it's like all these people that need the supervision and then i think that it's it takes a, a stronger person to say like, i'm not good at that or i don't like to do that i don't want to do that yeah. because I feel like there's been agencies I've been at where it's like, okay, now you're going to supervise these people. And if you're not passionate about that, you're not going to do a good job. So then we're teaching people not well. And then we're expecting them to just know what to do. And yeah, that's a whole different like cycle of. And so many conversations that. (laughs) So many, so many things. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go to this last one here. Um, you wrote, 
not all ABA, but honestly is still most ABA. We like to think that because we belong to this rose-colored bubble here on Instagram where we follow accounts that align with our values that ABA has entirely changed. It's a long road to come. Yeah. Yeah, I feel strongly on that because, you know, and, and I follow a decent amount of people as well. And I do definitely believe, and I think I kind of wrote on the caption, like, you know, I, I do strongly believe mm-hmm. that we are heading uh, the right way, or I like to think that we are, yeah. but we do have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So just because, again, you know, you follow these accounts that you're like, yes, like, look what we're doing. Like, you know, we're advancing, we're, we're awesome. And it's good to know that that's true, right. but it's not the only like aspect. There are still, there's still a lot of ABA. Like I said, there's a lot of ABA that's doing ABA the way that I would not do ABA anymore. Mm-hmm. And there is just a whole world outside of social media uh-huh. that doesn't even know what's going on in social media. Because sure. um, you have people like, sure, everyone's on Instagram, but not everyone's on the ABA Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like you can be a behavior analyst and like you don't want to take that to social media. It's like, it's my job and like it stays there. So you don't really know, or at least you don't want to dive into that. Because it is, you know, it's a lot, I think it's a lot of work. It's a lot of mental work to be like, hey, you know what? Let's unmantle this. Let's talk about it. Let's whatever. It's like therapy in a way. (laughs) And I think not everyone wants to do that or is ready for that. So there is a whole world. And even when you speak to other professionals or parents, you notice like, wow, they really don't know. Like they really, you know, like it's still this way. And a lot of companies too, like still doing the force compliance and eye contact. And that's 20 million different conversations right there. But again, it's just like, yeah, you know, we're on this side and we're like doing it. We're doing the work, having conversations, having uncomfortable conversations, but not everyone is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, We need to kind of like approach it, you know, when we're outside of Instagram talking to people in real life, like acknowledging like, hey, you know, I do still understand like this still happens, Mm -hmm. like not being blind to it because it still does. Like there's still a lot of people doing the 40 hour therapy model. There's still a lot of people, you know, just doing tons of things that you as a professional will probably be like, yuck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And just not being blind to it because we just, I guess you have to acknowledge like this still does happen mm-hmm. and it's the same in every field. I, I, I always go back to that. Like, I feel like we're very hard on ourselves, um, which is good because hopefully that leads to positive changes. Right. But every field has its own like sure. bag of bricks and whatever. Well, that's the, <laughs> and when people say like, oh, there's bad ABA, well, yeah, there's bad everything. There's yeah. bad every single thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, you you see these bad reviews, everyone's going to have a bad review. Like when when you eat out at a restaurant, you don't call the manager over because your dinner was wonderful. You call the manager over because you found mm-hmm. hair in your food or whatever. So it's like, I, I get that. And the la- like I keep saying it, but the loudest opinions get heard, right? So like, I think the big things for me and listening to all the things you're saying, I couldn't agree more with a lot of them is constantly just continuing to do our part to learn and mm-hmm. it's not our responsibility to educate everyone else but like you live in that bubble of okay I'm on Instagram everyone's posting these things I like these accounts that align with my values that's great but also mm-hmm. not being afraid to say your your opinions and find people that don't have your opinions and talk mm-hmm. to them and not yeah. you know have those hard conversations and that's kind of what yeah. I'm trying to do and for myself and if other people, you know, get value out of these conversations, then that's great. 
So I agree with you. So I guess I've kept you all this time because there's so many conversations to be had. But as we fight for change in a field to become more inclusive, more trauma-informed, and obviously just overall to be better – how do you suggest people fight for this, but that are too afraid to do so in today's cancel culture? Yeah, that's hard. And I feel, I feel that I'm myself trying to navigate through that. Um, so when I first started my Instagram, I was, uh, I was very like, you know, all about like listening to autistic voices and that's all I wanted to focus on. That was my focus. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's not, of course, I still want to listen to autistic voices. But what I have learned along that journey is that you can't follow a single movement blindly mm-hmm. because it, 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 no movement is perfect. And there are, I've learned that there are a lot of issues with this movement um, specifically. So what I feel that this movement is ignoring is the people who cannot speak in the movement. Mm -hmm. So you have autistic people who can type on Instagram, who can make videos, who can talk and voice their thoughts, which is awesome. But I feel like it's forgetting. What about all the ones that can't? I have tons of clients who cannot, who don't know how to type, who don't know how to speak. Mm -hmm. So who's going to talk for them? And someone who, you know, thankfully is able to make the video and then say whatever. Are you thinking about the autistic person that cannot even use a toilet by themselves? Right. Um, So I've learned to kind of navigate through that. Like, you know, I respect it but I'm not going to let it make me feel that what I'm doing is torture because I think it can be very difficult to like want to do your job right and and want to feel like you're making a difference and you're helping others when you have like people all over ABA is torture and this not and like I'm traumatized and PTSD and like it's a lot to take in. And like, sometimes I do need a break and I'm like, you know what? Like, uh, I'm in log off for a couple yeah. of days. <laughs> and, but then, you know, I go back to work and I'm like, but my client, I'm, I'm teaching him to use the toilet. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching him to brush his teeth. Um, and, and it's like, I am doing something and then it's not torture. Um, I'm helping a person become more independent and I'm helping a person become more of a person right and like be able to reach more like happy contingencies in behavioral terms um so i think that's that's been a a difficult journey for me because again i do want to be inclusive and i do want to hear the population that i serve primarily but like not forgetting that not all of them are talking Mm -hmm. it's just a very small fraction of it um and then when it comes to, I think the the other part of your question was like, how do you navigate like maybe like different opinions? Just being, just being not afraid to have yeah. your opinions in right. this world of being afraid to be, okay, like you're canceled. Yeah. Canceled. So yeah, I think, you know, a big part of it is being canceled. So like for me, like a lot of the time I was like, I don't want to be canceled by the autistic community. I want their acceptance. I want them to know that I'm an ally, that I'm here to like, listen to them and that is still true but after having conversations it feels like 
it feels like a lot of people and not even just autistic people they could be people who are just anti-aba they don't want to listen they don't want to listen to other perspectives so it's like hey you know what i'm gonna leave the floor open and this is something i always do on my posts and i make it very clear like hey you know i we can talk about different things and different opinions and i don't even care if you follow me or not you can come in and give your two cents that's totally fine as long as it remains respectful Um, and if you want to say ABA is not great because it did this to you, then you're welcome to say it as long as you're not offending anyone. Um, I had, um, a comment section going on the other day where I think this, this individual that did have autism was on and, and she started to get like, you know, she told someone else to shut up and like, and I was like, Hey, look, like that's not cool. Right. And, and, and it is like, you don't have to take disrespect from anyone. It doesn't matter what their diagnosis is. So I was like, hey, listen, I, you know, I am open to anyone coming in and, and having their opinions, but you can't like, if you're going to get rude, then maybe this is not the page for you. Yeah. And then she was like, she started it. And like, she said whatever first. And I just ignored it. I was right. like, whatever. And the other person ignored it too. So it was like, okay. Um, but it is very tricky to not want to get canceled and like, trying to get everyone to like you and like that's just not possible I feel and don't get me wrong I've had a few accounts on follow me by now and I'm like whatever in my head I'm like which one was the post that did it yeah for you? well it's, <laughs> it's interesting too because as your content changes because you're growing and I'll speak to this seeing the like insights on Instagram right where like I just was looking last night and it was like in the past 30 days like so many people have unfollowed you and I was like Damn, yeah. like what? Like what did I do? But then you like take it personally, but then you're like, no, because I'm putting out there what I believe needs to be put out there. And if right. someone doesn't agree with that, that's okay. Like, yeah. but I would hope that they would say, like you're saying, so like being open to the, to both sides. So I don't have mm-hmm. to agree with you. It doesn't mean that I'm wrong or you're wrong. We just right. don't agree and right. continue to push, you know, what, and push on through what we think is going to be the best for the clients individually that we're working with. I think that's a good, yeah. a good way to, to put it. Yeah. But it is hard. The whole cancel <laughs> thing and like being careful. I think yeah, being afraid to say anything. Yeah. I think I, I try my best to say what I need to say respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, they're like, Hey, I don't like the BB map, but you can like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all <laughs> yours. It, if you like it, you like it. And, yeah. and you know, I'll say why I don't like it. And you can choose to agree with that or you can choose to not agree with that. Maybe you've had a different experience and that's okay too. But I also um, think that like, just for that I example, like say I, I love it. Say I'm like queen of VD map. Like I, I should be able to say like, okay, like I see your experience. I see your, mm-hmm. your points. I'm going to keep using it. And like, that should right. be okay. But I think right. we live in a world where it's like it has to be black and white and it's so mm-hmm. the the gray is where you grow, right? And like yeah. we have to be more comfortable in the gray. So well, I feel mm-hmm. like we could talk about this for days. And I there's so many other conversations, but I want to so on our episodes in our new structure of the podcast, on our hard talk episodes, I'm ending with one question. And I know I kind of just talked about it, but I think in a nutshell, so if you had to say it in like one sentence, or we'll give you a couple. How do you think we can be better or do better in this topic? Yeah, I'm going to need more than one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to challenge you to Um, to give one, a couple sentences. Okay, let me let me try my best to like articulate (laughs) my thoughts into as little words as possible. I'm a talker, so it's hard. (laughs) Um, 
Okay, so I think how we can do better, even though I I see that a lot of our issues are more like kind of systemic, like when it comes to the agencies and the training and the role, like the rollover effect that that has mm-hmm. on like generations and generations of like behavior analyst therapists, behavior analyst therapists. Um, I think we can just start at the individual level. Like that's really what you can do. That's what you can control. So we can have the conversations and we can talk and like we can go into OBM, which I think would be awesome if we can like fix up some of those like systemic issues. That would be great. But we can't have, we don't have full control of that. So what you do have full control over is how you approach your job um, and how you choose to like educate yourself and just try to do your best every day. Um, and I think that for the people who care, which like I'm assuming anyone listening to this, they, they care. Mm-hmm. Um, or anyone just trying their best to like, hey, you know, I heard about this eye contact stuff. Or I heard about the stimming stuff. And I've been talking about that for a long time. But for some people, it's new. And like, that's okay. Like, it's new to you. You just heard about it. Now you want to know more? Cool. So learn more about it. Um, so I think that at the individual level is where we need to start because it's what we can it's like the most immediate thing you can control is yourself um and just you know trying to learn keep learning listening to opinions that you might not like um but you might be like hey you know what that's a good point and that's happened to me too don't get me wrong sometimes I, i might have felt very strongly about one thing and then i hear someone else's perspective and i'm like wait a minute that makes sense um but at the end of the day, maybe just like really just trying to do your best. Like as long as you go to bed and you're like, you know what? I did my best today and I try my hardest as a behavior analyst. And I know that I gave my client the best of me that I can give right now because that's all you have. And again, it goes back to saying like what you did in the past is in the past and you did the best you could with what you knew and what you have. So now if you know better, you do better. And that's the best you can do. I and love I think that. That was, was, hey, that was more than one sentence. Hey, it was more than one sentence, but it was perfectly said. I'll give you that. We have to change our, our, our platform and say you get a couple of sentences if you're going to be like, yes, <laughs> like that. Well, Rosie, you're a star. Let's tell listeners how they can find you and all you've got going on on like your social, social media. Yeah. So my social media handle is at BehaviorFi. So it's just BehaviorFY. Um, and then my website is www.behaviorfi.net. And on my website, I like most of my stuff is like study prep and I do have like tutoring and uh, supervision. I, I don't have any more spots for supervision right now because um, as we were saying that supervision is it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have mentorship and um, I'm, I'm working on a lot of new stuff. So yeah, so much cool stuff. So we'll make sure that we link all of that stuff in the show notes um, and on Instagram. I'm sure there will be future collaborations. We are so appreciative for you to take your time and talk with us today and continue to fight the good fight alongside of us to, to be better. Um, make sure you guys check her out and also check us out on Instagram, the contingency click for fun stuff we have going on. Rosie, thank you so much again. And now yeah, you're, part of, you're part of the click. All right. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye, bye everybody. Bye.